learned so much about our words and the importance of our words, but um, what I want to bring to you, I, I, I believe you need to hear a prophetic word. I think you need to hear a word of knowledge and also a little bit of word of wisdom that is going to help you uh, really, uh, I'm going to use a term, ascertain what God is trying to say to you today, to really understand um, the revelation that God wants to bring to you and me. God has absolutely prepared everything perfectly for you to move into the realm that God has placed you in as you walk in obedience. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about, quote, the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the gift of the Holy Spirit, we found out that the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit himself. God himself living inside you when you became born again. Everything that God has, everything that the Holy Spirit gives, all the gifts that Scripture talks about are yours to walk in because he is in you. And it's literally coming to a place of faith and believing this and not allowing the confusion, as we're going to talk about it some more today, that the enemy brings in so much confusion regarding the Holy Spirit to the point where many people uh, absolutely just back away from the Holy Spirit. And we found out last week is that many leaders will literally forbid for the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit to manifest in the church because they take a scripture way too extreme when the scripture talks about have, have everything be done in decent, you know, being decent and in order, and decently and in order. And in this reality, we must understand again that it says everything that is done. In other words, we're to do it. Amen? But we're to be led of the Holy Spirit. What the Lord has really placed in me, and, and a prophetic word was given this past week uh, to us, but this is something the Lord has been uh, talking to me for quite a long time, so what happened this week uh, to me is something that was just saying, this is it, I want you to understand, you need to teach this to the congregation. So this is not in your notes, but this is something that I want you to really understand. When confusion takes place, confusion of the enemy, the Bible says that every evil work is released to manifest. So confusion is something that we should never allow to manifest, even if our, in our thinking, because sometimes we just don't know something. How many of you realize there's just some things that you just don't know? And, but that's not confusion. Confusion is, is when you begin proclaiming things out of your mouth that is not truth. That's confusion. Because you are so full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And when your mouth speaks things that are opposite of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, then you are speaking confusion to your life and those around you. What happens when we do that is this is a territorial spirit comes out. A territorial spirit comes out. Some of you might, you know, you're here for the first time, you're going, whoa, what's going on here at the church? 
A territorial spirit is that we begin to fight for our place. When God says, I'm the one that places you everywhere you're supposed to be. We begin to take a hold of things that this is my ministry. Your ministry is given to you so you can give it away. So in other words, let me just say it to you, is that we need to begin thinking uh, in everything that we are anointed in that we are Santa Claus and we need to give it away. All right, I'm just using that term because I want you to remember this. Everything that you are, everything that God has placed inside you and your gifting, your anointing, the place where you minister, the place where you work, whatever it is, a territorial spirit will cause you to hold things back and not be a giver and hold things back to the point where literally it is destroyed. The ministry that you are trying to purvey and, and to see manifest will get destroyed because if we do not give it away, that's how it happens. We become territorial and a spirit rules in that and it causes great division in the body of Christ. So let me just go a little bit further. That seat that you're sitting in is not yours. Amen? So if someone sits there before you sit, that's not your seat. Give it away. Go find another empty spot. And if you have trouble with that, come to my office and I'll help you find an empty spot. Because we are to be a people that are so, you hear this terminology, full of the Holy Spirit. There's no place for a territorial spirit. Can everyone say amen? So let's now begin to move into this teaching today. Very simplistic, and I've made it this way because I want you to see what God has really done for all of us. When you were born again, you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is God, is in you. And with that comes all power and all the blessings of the Lord. In your bulletin today, you, you have this, what I wrote to you. And hopefully that you have read it. Don't read it now. Uh, listen to the sermon. But uh, I want you to read this, is that there is life after a miracle. And it is the blessings of the Lord. And that's why the Holy Spirit is inside you. So today we will begin to dismantle this confusion of the enemy regarding the Holy Spirit and also preparing our hearts and our minds to begin to walk in God's full blessing. My greatest joy as a pastor, as a person, is to see you walking in the fullness of God. No matter what takes place in your life, that you are walking in the fullness of the Lord. Attacks of the enemy, the blessings of the Lord, whatever it may be that you are handling right now in your life, I want you to understand that what God has for you is immense. It's huge. So turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Put your finger there and turn to Matthew chapter 3. In the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, talking about these, these scriptures. And uh, so let me remind you of this series we're in. It's called Proclaiming Your Future. Our focus is realizing how important our words are in this series. 
Let me give you a, a summation of what we have taught. Words connect us to God, and words connect us to one another. Words have been given so that we may be in agreement, that we may be in unity. Remember last week we talked about the Tower of Babel and how God said that I had to confuse their language because they had the one language and one purpose, they could attain anything that they desired. And that's the same heart that, you, that we can have is we can attain anything in life if we recognize the power of the Holy Spirit, that he has given us these giftings and abilities to be able to do great and mighty things for the kingdom of God, and we need to be givers and give this away. Now, again, words connect us to God and words connect us to each other because God wanted to connect with us. God sent his son. His name is Jesus, or his name is the word. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And again, his name is the word of God. How we reach back to God, we found, is by words also. The Bible says if you believe the Lord in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Then we began to move into a realm of, of what happens when we recognize the, what the Holy Spirit is really wanting to do in us. And now these giftings and these abilities begin to uh, happen in our life. And in many instances, the most powerful thing is it happens through our words. So you connect to God with your words, and we connect to each other by our words. We also learned that the tongue cannot be tamed by any person, that the tongue is powerful. Your tongue can only be tamed by the Holy Spirit. And so we are talking about living a life that is submitted to the Holy Spirit, that our life, the things that we do, the things that we say, we are submitted to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. So last week, we talked about heaven's language. In heaven's language, when we speak this language with one purpose, Scripture tells us nothing is impossible. Zephaniah, he promised in the prophetic word, that that language would be returned. We found out that language returned, Acts chapter 2. The heavenly language. And um, people would say speaking in tongues or a prayer language. This week, let's talk about heaven's baptism. Let's begin to move into this realm and understand the fullness of what it means uh, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, in order to see it, in order to understand it, we must recognize the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is a separate experience from salvation. It is something that takes place that is separate from yourself and not separate that it's not including, but you must be born again. The Holy Spirit resides in you, and from that moment, you have this 100% ability to be able to move into all of what God has promised with the Holy Spirit. We're going to find out in a little bit that Jesus baptized us. Jesus literally gave us this Holy Spirit 
who is God. So again, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues does not save you. It is not an evidence that you are saved. It is a language that the Holy Spirit gives us that gives us power and ability to do things that we cannot do in our own strength, in our own abilities. So again, it doesn't save us. To be saved is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and to confess him as Lord. So in order to live a victorious life, we're going to find that it is to be water baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we're finding that there are three things that, that the Bible teaches us about walking in this newness, walking in this power of our salvation and what God has given us. So let me show you, Scripture talks about three baptisms, all right? And these three baptisms, I'm getting a little echo behind me. If you can work with that, that would be great. Let me show you three baptisms. The baptism in salvation the baptism in water, and the baptism in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. So let me begin now with the first baptism, and I'm going to explain these. And why I'm explaining these is because many of us, we're full gospel, many of us call ourselves Pentecostal, Foursquare, whatever uh, label that we put because we believe in the full gospel but sometimes in believing in the full gospel, we don't understand what the full gospel is. And so we're going to spend time with that today, next week, and probably the following week. We're going to begin moving into a realm. And then one of the Sundays that we are going to actually, uh, at the conclusion of the service, we're going to invite you back in the choir room uh, and the side choir room that many people, uh, Pastor Dan, Pastor Terry, many people will be back there and we'll lead you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there will be some powerful things that will take place. Because let me just tell you, it's not weird. It's not something that's strange. Because many of us have been told different things about these baptisms. So let's begin with the first baptism. It's called the baptism into the body of Christ. This occurs when you are saved, or as we say, when you are born again. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, <coughs> excuse me, verse 13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Again, there is a difference than being baptized into the body of Christ and the baptism in the Holy Spirit and or baptism in water. So by the Spirit, we are baptized into the body of Christ, or better said, into Jesus. So we are the ones being baptized in this salvation. The Holy Spirit is doing the baptism, and he is baptizing us into Jesus. So follow this thought. You're going to hear that statement a lot today. That again happened when you got saved. Water baptism doesn't get you saved. Holy Spirit baptism doesn't get you saved. Believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and confessing with your mouth that he is Lord gets you saved. And when that happens, then the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus. 
So the Holy Spirit put you into the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are part of Christ's body now that you are saved. Or another term in Scripture that we say in Christendom is you are in Christ. When you are born again, you are in Christ. All right? So this is what we need to believe now. There is a separate baptism in the Holy Spirit in the Bible that we need to ask for. There is a separate, I told you even our own organization is today battling with terminology and, and how do we do this and are, is tongues and evidence of the baptism, whatever it may be. I just want to tell you, let's get down to the basic truth, the simplicity of the gospel and what God says in his word so that we understand, watch this, the Holy Spirit, or we understand our life. We understand the power and the anointing that God has placed in us that you and I, or let me just say it this way, you are something so important that when you become kingdom-minded and understand the principles of these baptisms, that you will now begin to walk in a power that you've never experienced before, but that power has always been there. This baptism is an anointing of the Holy Spirit that gives us power to live this Christian life. So the first baptism is into the body of Christ or called being born again, being saved. Now here's the second baptism. In Matthew 28, verse 19, it reads like this, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This speaks of water baptism. Now, if you were the devil, and I know you're not, <laughs> and you realized how powerful the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is, you would want to produce confusion. If you were the devil and you know some people that act like him. Got more amens on that than any of them. You must realize that this is an area of your life and my life that the enemy is going to do everything he can to bring confusion. Because he knows if you get this, I'm not talking about if you get all this stuff and now you begin walking weird, as some people would say, that's not what I'm, when I say, when you get this, when you understand this, when you realize what God has already done, when you realize that you are in Christ, when you realize that you have all that you ever need for this walk in life. The Bible says that he's given you everything that pertains unto this life in this physical world and your spiritual walk. He's given it to you already. All right, so Ephesians 4, verse 5 says this, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But I'm telling you, there's three baptisms. This says there is one baptism. But if you read Ephesians 4, it also says there is one Lord, 
So when you look through Ephesians 4, verse 4 through 6, it says there is one Spirit, verse 4, one Lord, verse 5, and one Father, verse 6, which, in other words, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what people will do is they'll take one scripture and they'll build a doctrine on it, a false doctrine on it, and what they're doing is literally creating confusion that produces evil work. What is an evil work? Let me tell you what an evil work is. A lot of people think an evil work is like a devil coming and, and, and showing himself and doing something bad. An evil work, to me, is when God's work doesn't work. An evil work, to me, is when, when God's plans are not taking place. Because if it's not God's plan taking place, then it's opposite of that, and what's opposite of God is the enemy. Everyone following my thought there? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm peeling the onion. I'm, I'm peeling the banana. I'm doing whatever I can, taking the orange peel off, because I want you to get the meat of, of how amazing you are. Again, people always ask me, you know, Pastor, why do you always say you're proud of us when you really don't know me? Because I know what God did in you. I know the, the power and the anointing that you have in your life. I know what God has already done and will do when you understand it and you believe it and you begin to walk in it. Don't become territorial because that means that you're walking in confusion. So there are not three gods there is one God, but there are three persons of the, many people will term Godhead, but I'm going to use Godhood because we're in El Monte. <laughs> three persons of that Godhood that the three agree as one. I'll read it again now because you all were laughing. There are not three gods, there is one God, but there are three persons of the Godhood that the three agree as one. So here's what I'm saying. The Bible says there is one baptism, and in baptism there is three. Just like the Trinity, and they all agree as one. So here's, here it is with the baptisms. To get saved and go to heaven, you just need to believe in Jesus and confess with your mouth. But... If you want to live a victorious life on this earth, you need to be water baptized. We're going to be announcing a water baptism real soon in September. And you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So here is the third baptism. But while we're talking about the third baptism, we're going to go back to the water baptism. The third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The first, baptism of Jesus. Second, baptism in water. The third is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist is, is talking, and he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Water baptism is an outward sign of an inward work or a proclamation of what has taken place in your life. You have become born again. So when you are going down in the water, in water baptism, 
you die with Christ to the sin of your life. Then you are raised up out of the water in new life as a son and daughter, a joint heir in Christ, victory without sin. That is a proclamation. That is the words that you should say when you are baptized in water is because that is literally catapulting you into a lifestyle of victory. Let's continue verse 11. But he, speaking of Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, John the Baptist talking, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's talking not about baptism into Jesus, salvation. It's not talking about baptism in water. It's talking about baptism in the Spirit. And the power, the, the, the ability of that, that includes a language. That includes tongues. That includes nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we will talk about in a few months. And the reality that you and I must understand that it is a done deal. When you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit. What you have to do is ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it's already there. So the question here is, who is doing the baptizing in this verse? The answer is, Jesus is doing the baptism, and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus at the time, but what John the Baptist was talking about is that, the, that Jesus is baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. There is uh, a, an evidence, there is a power that is given to you when you have become born again. Now, what we're going to find in a little bit is that Jesus is the great example of these three. So remember the first verse that we were in, the Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. This verse 11 is Jesus baptizing us into the Spirit. We are baptized into Jesus. So that's why I'm, you're hearing me over and over saying the same thing. It's very simple. It's very simple that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. Jesus baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. So why am I saying this? There are two different experiences or baptisms, salvation, then the baptism of the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, this one verse should prove to you that baptism in the Holy Spirit is real and for today. We've discussed how many people say, well, it was only for that day, Acts chapter 2, uh, for ministry. But you see, I gave you scripture throughout the book of Acts. I gave you all kinds of scripture that it continued. And even scripture we read that it will continue generation after generation. And so it is for today. Many people, because of confusion, has caused it to be something that a lot of people don't like. Many people have become territorial in, in walking in this because, you know, it's theirs. Now they feel like they're spiritual. Let me just tell you, um, they're, the, the people that weren't very spiritual, the Corinthian church, and we talked about them, they, they were just brand new in all this thing, and they're the ones using all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So in essence... Moving in the gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean you're mature. 
It means you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so what we've looked at in life is we've allowed ourselves to think that if someone is giving a prophecy or someone giving a word of knowledge or, or someone speaks in tongues or, or, you know, the gift of tongues and interpretation, oh, they must be real spiritual. I'm telling you, no, they may not be very spiritual at all. That's why Paul had to correct the Corinthian church because they were young, immature in their walk with God, and they function in all these gifts, and they just, they they messed it up. And, and because of that, he had to go in and he had to bring correction to them. So you and I must recognize is that even the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean we're mature. It means that we believed and we asked and we received. Two experiences. We should really believe, because of what Scripture is saying to us, that this is for today. This should encourage you not to go, I don't know if I want to go back there. If I go back in the choir room, what are they going to do to me? We're going to do nothing with you. <laughs> Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is in you. You already have the Spirit. And you go in there with great joy because what this will do is now help you to be a blessing and to walk in the blessing and not just always look for the miracle. How many people do you know that are always just looking for the miracle? Again, as I wrote in here, I, I, I don't want to live my life looking for miracles. I want to live my life that God blesses what I put my hands to. That when I begin to walk in the things of God and I begin to give and I begin to be a blessing and my words are changed and my words come out of my mouth and they are blessings and they, they encourage people, then what happens is then I am blessed and it comes back to me, pressed down, shaken together, and then 130, 60, 100 fold, blessings of the Lord manifest and because I have a giving heart, then I continue to give and I give and I give and I give. And I give my, of myself, and I give time, and I do this, and I expect nothing in return, but it always is returned because it is a life of blessing. Amen. It is a life of blessing. So let me show you the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in all four Gospels, too. The birth of, you find in the four Gospels, all of them, these things, too. The birth of Jesus, the wilderness experience of Jesus the water baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptism of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus you find in all four Gospels. But Jesus is our example, so I am saying this. You need to be saved. Believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross for your sins. You believe in that, you confess that as Lord, and you shall be saved. You need to be water baptized. And I'll say this. We'll say this when we do the water baptism service. Is that the, the actual Greek word talks about being immersed, totally under the water, not sprinkled. Because what it is, is, is we don't want just some, <laughs> the experience that we're proclaiming, just some of our sins removed, sprinkled. 
Just some things were done for you, sprinkled. No, you're immersed. You are in Christ. You die with Christ, and you raise again fully with Christ. And now you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit with Christ. And that's what, that's what we're talking about. That's what will transform your schools. That's what will transform your businesses. That's what will transform your homes, is when you begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for that? I am. So you need to be saved. You need to be water baptized. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So let's answer some questions then. Because these are some of the things that, that literally people argue about in doctrine. They argue different things. So here's, here's the first question. Was Jesus born again? I pause there because... Most of you know what you want to say, but you're not sure if you say it that you're right. <laughs> so you're not going to say it. The answer is no. He was born right the first time. Jesus was born without sin. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born of a woman, but yet without sin because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. You were born of man and woman, so you were born in the sin of Adam. So you needed to be born again. You and I were born wrong the first time. That's why we needed again to be born again. So let me say it this way. You being born again were born perfect as a son or daughter of God. Jesus was the firstborn of the Father. So you follow in that? When you become born again, then you were born in Jesus, okay? And when you're born in Jesus, what happens is you now are born again, or you are as like Jesus was born without sin. Now you are without sin. Pastor, I sin, though. Yeah, you do. That's why 1 John 1.9 is there. That when you do, you confess that. But your spirit is born again, brand new. Your spirit, the Bible tells you, you cannot, your spirit cannot sin. It's your flesh. It's a battle of your soul. Your heart is your spirit and your soul. And so what you have to find out, remember the teaching that Pastor Terry did on that. What we have to find out now is that we really are, we have everything done for us in Jesus, and now we just need to ask for the Holy Spirit and the baptism and literally walk in obedience of what God has done, believing that we died with Christ and raised up new in Christ. You are born again. Are you one of those born-againers? You know, people ask, are you one of them born-againers? They have no clue what that means. Do you know what that means? You are without sin. You are living in the righteousness of God. You, watch this, why I say it all the time, are special in the kingdom of God. You are a son and a daughter of God. That's who you are. So you being born again were born perfect as a son or daughter of God. Some of you say, oh, I'm not perfect. By grace you are. 
I'm just telling you, I'm not perfect. I sin. I mess up. I know that. Stick with me long enough with me, and I mess up too. But I want to tell you, by grace, you are perfect. By grace, no sins have been held against you. All sins have been washed away. By God's grace, when God looks at you, God sees perfect. God sees perfect. That's why you have the right. Everyone talks about, I got rights today. You have the right to go to the throne room of God in Jesus' name. Because by grace, you are perfect and you can enter into the perfectness of God. Being born again is the first step. And Jesus, uh, as our example, was born a perfect son of God. The second step was Jesus was water baptized. Was Jesus water baptized? Yes, he was. So you and I need to be water baptized. So when we announce water baptism, don't think, well, I'm just wondering if I need to. I think when I was a baby, I think when... There, there are sometimes kids are baptized when they're seven years old and they don't even remember it. There's something a lot more important of water baptism than just being able to do it and sing a few songs. It is literally a proclamation, just like we're talking about our words, our proclamation, that what we say produces our future. And when we are water baptized, we are, we are literally professing to those around us, to our families and everything, is that, yes, I am baptized into Jesus. Yes, I am now a perfect son or a perfect daughter. And you begin to walk in that. How many of you struggle with your own self-worth? You struggle with thinking, well, you know, I've gone through this, I've made this mistake. You struggle with it. I'm just telling you, just stop struggling with it. Begin to know who you are in Christ and begin to walk in the areas he wants you to walk in. And I promise you, you will walk in that blessed life. So you and I need to be water baptized. The third step is, was Jesus spirit baptized? Answer, yes. Let me show you. Right after Jesus was water baptized, he was spirit baptized. In Matthew 3, verse 15 and 16, remember John didn't feel worthy to, to uh, water baptize Jesus. And what did Jesus say? He said, it is very important that you do this. So that bottom line, we come in agreement with the word of God. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him, and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Now notice it says the Spirit like a dove, not a dove landing on him. Basically saying the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. 
So watch this. So Jesus being our example, if Jesus was born a perfect son of God, Jesus was water baptized, and Jesus was Holy Spirit baptized, maybe you should do all three also. To help you here, let me just show you some more scriptures. Mark 1.8, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16, John answered saying, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John chapter 1, see all the Gospels. Verse 32, and John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, everyone say remaining, and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. All four Gospels tell us of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. A, a spirit of territorial spirit is a spirit that is wanting you to say, this is not about me, this is weird. You know how that church is weird, you know how those people are and different things. And, and God wants everything done in decently in, in order. But I want to tell you, he wants everything done. You want to walk in the victory that you have been believing for, coming up to the elders being prayed for? You want to walk in that victory? Then let everything be done. I loved it when we were in Israel. Oh, man. And we went to the River Jordan. And they had a mark right in the middle of the river that said, this is where Jesus... No, they didn't. They didn't have that. And we went into the River Jordan at a place in the River Jordan. And every one of the people that went with us were water baptized. One was water baptized the first time. What a blessing for her. She's actually here today. I want to say to you that God is imploring the church to let all be done. God is imploring leaders in the church, let all things be done and to give it away. To begin to move into a realm that you've never moved into. There are a lot of people that have done religious stuff. They've done religious things. They've They've uh, got born again, they've been water baptized, they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they don't live it, they don't, they don't talk it, they don't pray it every day. Paul says, I pray daily. He says, I, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And the passion that we need to have is to really take this language, take this ability that we have of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit with all that comes with it, we need to take this and begin to live it out in such a unique, powerful way that we change every aspect of our life. There's nothing in our life 
That should be territorial. There's nothing we should hold back. There's nothing we should say, this is mine, this is mine. You can't have that. Or I don't know about that because, you know, I was told this. What does Scripture say, church? What does Scripture say? John chapter 1, we're going to close with this verse, verse 33. Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Until this time, the Holy Spirit never descended on someone and then remained. He descended on Saul, then he left. He descended on David, then he left. The practical definition of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit descends and then remains. It talks about you. You are baptized into Jesus. You haven't been baptized in water. When we announce it, cancel everything you've planned, and let's do it. And you begin to ask. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you begin to ask. And the next thing, we'll talk about this next time together, is if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you do speak in tongues, are you doing it? Are you growing in it? I found years ago, I had, uh, I think it was Pastor Jack Hafer that said this, probably 20 years ago, he said, he said, have you ever asked the Lord to give you a greater language? In other words, amount of the language? More words? Because when you start, I mean, again, as we said last week, it just sounds so foolish. It sounds so like, really? You know what? This is powerful? No, I feel foolish doing this. I feel weird doing this. And that person over there, he just gets real loud and weird and moves around and different. Yeah, people do weird things. They do. I mean, you wouldn't go to a symphony and in the middle of, of uh, you know, the, the symphony going on, someone brings out an electric guitar and starts jamming. Right, because they're, they're in unity. They're, they're, they're moving. See, that's what God does. When things are done decently in order, when things are done, but we're not so focused on decently in order because when we are doing the things right, then we don't need to be focused on that. When, you know, when you were in school, maybe the first week, you didn't know what line you're supposed to line up in for, for lunch. After that, you knew what line that was. And every single day when that, that whistle blew, you knew where to go. And that's the point. The, the Holy Spirit will teach you, guide you. He will anoint you. He will show you things. You will be in, in the midst of the biggest problem of your life, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And you'll hear him. You'll hear him, and you'll know exactly what to do. You'll be walking down the street, and all of a sudden there's something in your spirit 
that uh, just doesn't seem right. So you just begin to pray in tongues. Because the enemy was setting up a trap for you. <laughs> and you begin to pray in tongues, and I'll tell you what, angels, all of heaven comes and lines up in front of you, and just like with Elisha, the servant, says, there are more angels than the enemy. Greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. But we are trying to live a spiritual life. Ephesians 6 says, put on the whole armor of God. And we've forgotten that last verse uh, about our words, what we say in the armor of God. We go through all the wonderful things about the soldier's uniform and everything. But the reality is the most powerful tool is your prayer language. The most powerful tool you have in everything that you have as a believer is, is your heavenly language. And when you begin to move in this realm in a greater way, greater things are going to happen. Let me just say it this way. There will be an outpouring in this church like this church has never experienced before. I know that. When my wife and I drove up, sat in that little part of the parking lot over there, and he began to say things to us and show us things, Holy Spirit uh, told me, I, will, I am not finished with that church. I will do. Bottom line, he said, I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to charge it up. Amen. And, and we're, we're going to go places that we've never done before. Church, do you see how much we've already done? Do you see what you've accomplished all these years. Some of you have been here for years. Pastor Ben, I mean, last weekend at the prison ministry, there was some shutdowns and stuff. He said, yeah, we only got 30 people saved. I just laugh. He's used to 100, 150, 120 people getting born again wherever he goes. I mean, that's, that's just scratching the surface, Brother Ben. It's just scratching the surface where you're at. Some of you go out and you go to the stores and you minister and you're doing things. Some of you with your businesses, you've been blessings. God has prospered you. But when you come in total agreement of the three baptisms, you begin to walk in this power, things will change. I, I, I'm just telling you, we're, we're, we're planning already. We're setting some things up for leaders, all kinds of things for the big move of God. Because I knew this was going to change everything, this series. Did you know? Holy Spirit still wanting me to say something here. Did you know that uh, in most cases, churches that teach on the Holy Spirit, when they do the series, their attendance drops 25%? real good friend of mine. He was in a, a, a area of the state where he lives in that teaches the Holy Spirit is not for today. Okay? He began to teach on the Holy Spirit. His church attendance went down 30%. We're talking about what Jesus exemplified for us. 
All three baptisms. That's, that's for us today. Amen. You know what needs to happen here? You need to go grab people by the elbow and say, you're coming with me to church next week. Because I want to tell you, my pastor's teaching something that most people don't. And I want you to hear this because I want you to be blessed. Amen? Get your neighbors. Get your neighbors. I don't want my neighbor coming to church with me. Yeah, you do. If they get saved, water baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, they'll be different. They might even cut your lawn. <laughs> Let's all stand.